Welcome to the Sidious Mac Podcast. I am your host, Chris Chavez. The Sidious Mac Podcast is presented by Garmin. I am very thrilled to finally partner with a brand that I've been using for the past six years. I don't know about you, but when I'm running solo or working out, I get the best out of myself with some fire playlists. There's just something about moving to the rhythm of my favorite beats that gets me through even the toughest of workouts. That's exactly why I love my Garmin 4Runner 245 music. It's not your average GPS smartwatch. With music storage right on my wrist, I can honestly say it takes wearables to the next level. I sync up my best Spotify playlist and I hammer out some miles. I've even put that Spotify playlist up for you guys to check out. If you think the benefits stop at just music, you'd be wrong. I was surprised at all the different features packed inside such a small, lightweight watch. I mean, have you ever wondered whether you're actually killing your training and overdoing it? Well, you get your answers with the training load feature, and there's built-in sports apps that monitor your recovery time, the body battery energy monitor, and so much more. I've got all the tools I need to push that extra mile. Do you know what's really music to my ears though? My 4Runner 245 watch lasts up to six hours in GPS mode, even when the songs are playing. Basically, I can run longer without worrying about the battery dying. Even if it's in smartwatch mode, guess how long it lasts? Up to seven days. Seriously, I fall asleep with this thing without plugging in because I know it'll be ready to go when I wake up in the morning. All of this is to say, I couldn't ask for a better on-wrist companion. So take a look down at your wrist right now. Maybe you've had that thing for a while. It's time to treat yourself. Upgrade today. Visit Garmin.com. And listeners, I've got an update for you. Garmin has launched its summer sale. The 4Runner 245 Music is now $75 off. They're also running sales on the 4Runner 945 and 4Runner 55. So check those out today at Garmin.com. A moment now to shout out all the supportive listeners that helped make this show possible. Many thanks to everyone who has backed us on Patreon, and welcome to Amanda Barshuski for signing up within the past week. If you want to join the loyal legion of backers that keep us going strong, sign up today at patreon.com slash We appreciate those who chip in to enhance our YouTube shows. We are going to have a special edition of After the Final Lap on Friday and Saturday night live from the Prefontaine Classic. We've got the U.S. Championships and the World Championships coming up in June and July. And we've got some really fun plans for the City Smag House at Worlds. So your contributions help make all of that happen. On Patreon, you could donate anything from a dollar a month. And we even have some people who contribute $20 a month or $30 a month, which comes out to a dollar a day. And for those of you who are unable to commit to a monthly contribution... You can also make a one-time donation by sending any dollar amount over to Sidious Mag on Venmo. Consider Venmo like a virtual tip jar. If you chip in, attach any message you want, and we'll shout it out on the next pod. Are you, your teammate, your family member, your coach, or your loved one celebrating a birthday, anniversary, new job, or new PR? Does your friend need a little bit of a boost as they're in the middle of marathon training? Shoot us a Venmo, and we'll do our best to shout them out on the next pod. Those who chipped in recently include Christopher Scheiman, who said, Great work at the Trials and Miles Track Night NYC. Keep it up. Here's a little jingle in your pocket. And we've also got Tim Gruber who said, Go you for creating content that dives below the surface and gets at the humanistic side of running that we all share. Imagine this donation is me giving you a high five and telling you you're amazing. If this donation goes to buying you a coffee, I'd love it if you could give the barista a high five and tell them that they're amazing. Thanks for all that you're doing. Well, Tim, consider it done. Next time I have an oat milk latte in one hand, I'll have a high five ready to go on my next coffee visit. So you are amazing. And last but not least, if you've got a second, leave a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It lets people know what you love about the show. It helps new people discover the show when we populate onto the top charts and lets future sponsors know what you think and why they should get behind the show. So thanks to everyone for their support. 
Joe Klecker here, morning after making the World Championship team in the 10K for Team USA. So uh, how are you feeling the morning after? A nice you know, night of sleep when you wake up and you've got your, your spot for, for to come back here in two months. Yeah, no, it definitely feels good. I mean, kind of the whole focus this year was to make this team. And so I was telling Dathan after the race, like now I can enjoy the rest of the season because up until this point, it's just been a lot of like stress and thinking like, I got to make this team. You know, you got to be... You want to punch that ticket early it's nice that they moved it up so now like i have my spot on the world champs team and now i can just like um plan out the rest of the season to do the best at worlds and just really enjoy it i mean i would hate to be on the sideline having you know worlds here in the u.s last year we kicked it with you uh after you made the team at the olympic trials you go on to compete in tokyo and then from there like the fall season that you had was kind of disrupted right it was injuries and then it rolled into the start of 2022 so i guess can you take us through the timeline of what the last sort of six months have looked like for you yeah yeah so i made the olympic team and i went to the olympics and i mean i didn't really have any goals there i was just like really happy to be there um and then i was a bit disappointed getting 16th and so i had a good prefontaine classic and uh, yeah i finished the season and but then, yeah, I was just like starting to get ready for this year. And I had some big goals indoor. Like I really wanted to be in that race with Grant going after the indoor 5K record. Um, and so we were training like really hard. Um, and yeah, I got injured in December. And like in a way, it's a bit of a blessing. Like we were really hitting it hard. And so I think that it was good like just to rest for it's about like two weeks I wasn't running and then about two or three weeks on the Alter G treadmill. And so it's about a month of just like really like low key training. Yeah. And in the moment, you know, you're like so antsy to get training again. You think you're missing out on everything. But all along, like our goal was to get on this team. And the goal was yesterday's race. And so, um, you know, like letting go of world indoors, letting go of fast times, like it was hard. But um, just knowing that this was the goal, this is the most important thing of the year. Um, and you got to be ready for it. It kind of was just like, yeah, you got to focus on it. You can't, you can't do everything, especially coming off of an yeah. injury. You need to just focus on your training. Over the last couple of years, you've obviously made it part of like your brand in a sense of just how hard you work behind the scenes in training. You and Morgan, I mean, that's just been your staple since uh, since being at Colorado. So this time around, when there's this big of a setback and you know how big the stakes are in 2022, how hard are you working in that, in that comeback process? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I haven't been injured that much. And so I've like thought that a lot of my success has just come from being very consistent in training and just like working hard day in and day out. And so like when I was actually injured and I couldn't uh, run, I was like, man, like I don't really know how I'm going to come off this because I just haven't been injured. And so um, like I raced 5K a few weeks ago and workouts were going well, but I was like, you know, on the start line, I'm like, I could run 13 minutes. I could run 1330. Like, I just don't know because I haven't, um, I haven't had those injuries. And so, yeah, it was just, I mean, I needed to get into a race to get that confidence back, but certainly like knowing what I did a year ago to make the Olympics and knowing that if I can get back to that level of training, I should be good to go. But you, you never really know until you step on the line and race. So let's go back to a couple weeks ago when you were at the sound running meet for the 5K. You see the fields. You, you notice that Jakob Britson's in the race. So it's going to be fast one way or another. He ends up kind of just going for the world championship standard. But it's something that you also kind of wanted to just tick that box, getting back on a starting line and going up against competition. So what were the feelings going into the race? And as it unfolded, it was sort of like the signals like, all right, things you're back. Yeah. No, I mean, going into that race, like the... 
I was telling Dathan, like, I, I want it to be a sub-13 race. I want to go after sub-13. And he was just like, no, we need to just, everything's for Worlds. Everything's getting right for Worlds. We just need to go in there and just, you need to just remember how to race and remember that pain. And so going into the race, I had no expectation of time or I didn't really care about time other than hitting the world standard. Um, I just wanted to, like, remember what it was like to run in a pack, remember what it's like to cover moves, remember what it's like to, you know, just go through the process of racing. Um, I hadn't done it since, you know, like six to eight months or so. And so that was the focus down in San Juan. And to run 1304, I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, like, I, workouts have been great, but like, I, when I ran 1306 a year ago, like, I was on the ground, just like, hardest race of my life. And this was like, I felt really good. I mean, I closed, I think, in 157. Last lap was like a 56. And it just felt like pretty, pretty good. And so I was very confident coming off that race. So at sub 13, still got to be on, on your mind, though. And like, you now you've check, checked this box with the 10K. You got a couple of weeks, a couple of possible Diamond League races, like could be the right situation for you to, you know, go for it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, again, getting this checking the box of getting on the team out of the way really opens up a lot of possibilities the rest of the year and a lot of fun opportunities. And so I definitely want to find a race where I can try and go for that sub 13 um, and just like, yeah, take a stab at that. And so I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm for sure doing Oslo Diamond League and I imagine it's going to be a fast race. And so that could be the one. So if we look at OAC's team structure for the next couple of weeks. And maybe we, you took some lessons from the lead up to the Tokyo Olympics. So you've got you focusing on the 10K. Jordy's going for the 5K with uh, New Zealand. And then Ollie's going for the 1500 uh, for Australia. So how does that sort of work with, you know, the 3V guys getting together in practice and, you know, for, for Worlds? Like how much are you actually working together in workouts? Yeah, so Dathan's done a very good job of... Um, he really orchestrates our workouts and so that we overlap as much as possible. I mean, and like this time of year for Ollie, he's, I don't know if he's been officially selected, but he's pretty confident right. to be on the team. And so he's in just doing a lot of strength this time of year. I mean, he doesn't have to run here. He ran his Australian championship. So this time of year he can be putting in a lot of training. So he's been doing a lot of my 10 K training, um, which he's been doing some pretty crazy workouts for a 1500 guy. Um, but yeah, Dathan's like, that's one of his best attributes as a coach, I think is finding ways that we can link up and help each other to get better. Um, you'd think as a 1500 runner and a 10 K runner, it's not going to match up very much, but we do a lot of stuff together. I mean, Ollie's doing 18 mile long runs and yeah, it, it, it links up a lot. He probably took some tips from like training with Centrowitz and when he was focusing on 10 K. So it's just sort of like, oh, I'm just passing on what I learned to, to the new generation. Yeah, totally. I mean. <laughs> I, he, he tells some stories about like when he was training with Galen and, and, and those guys about how much how fast they were in closing 400s at the end of workouts and they're running 52s and he's running like 54s, 56s. Yeah. But again, that just pushes him to another level to work out with yeah guys like Centro who are uh, world caliber 1500 runners. It really helps, you know, for me, like I think that's been one of the best things to help my closing ability. This episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast is also presented by Hydro, a state-of-the-art rowing machine designed to transform the way you work out. Named Best Connected Rower in the Men's Health Home Gym Awards, rowing on the Hydro works out 86% of major muscle groups, compared to only the 44% from cycling. That's twice the benefit in half the time. It's a perfect low-impact workout to add to your training cycle for both endurance and resistance training. I've actually seen some of the top professional marathoners using Hydro as a way to swap out their easy mile days to work up a little 20-minute sweat row 
You can use a 10 minute breath row as a warm up or cool down before a big workout or tackle one of the workouts on the hydro. I know one of the things with at home workouts is that you spend a bunch of time trying to figure out what class goes with what. Hydro provides the best full body workout. You don't have to figure out what classes to pair together. It's so much work because you're getting upper body, lower body, and core all in a single workout. Hydro's workouts are filmed live outdoors on waterways around the world from Boston to Seattle to Miami to London. Plus, one membership comes with unlimited profiles for the whole family. So you'll have access to live and on-demand workouts including rowing, Pilates, yoga, strength, conditioning, and more. With Hydro, you're guaranteed to get an incredible workout and experience a full body endorphin high. It's the Hydro High. Learn more at hydro.com. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com. And for a limited time, you can use code Sidious100 for $100 off the rower, and that's stackable with any of their current offerings. Visit hydro.com and use Sidious100. Back to the show we go. So last year, I think one of the best moments of the Olympic trials was when we saw you take your victory lap and just the embrace with Dathan. That was sort of the moment that brought you to tears, brought him to tears, because when On decided to invest in starting a pro team, both of you kind of like two of the big cornerstones in helping make all of this happen. And so that's making an Olympic team. I can see why like the emotion can be overwhelming. Last night, I guess, can you describe the feelings after this sort of victory lap? It's like, it's another team that you made and like you took care of business, but you know, how does it differ when it's a world championship and an Olympic team? Yeah, I would say the biggest difference was a year ago, making that Olympic team was totally the dream. Like everyone on our team was striving to get on their um, Olympic teams. And now that we did that a year ago, that's kind of the bar this year is to be on that world team. And so you don't take it for granted. I mean, to finish um, and make that team again and then on top of it winning the race, it was certainly a, a bit emotional, but it wasn't quite the level yeah. of being on the Olympic team. Um, you know, the Olympics holds like a little bit more weight than the world championships, I would say. But um, yeah, I mean, I, like we've just kind of said like, man, that's really the bar on this team. Like. Ollie, George, I mean, everyone's hoping to represent their country and whether they do or not, like everyone on this team is at that level. And so, um, again, you don't want to be the one on the sidelines when the whole team's having a good time at Worlds or the Olympics. You want to be there with the team. So we've made it this far without even actually like breaking down the actual 10K race. So I'm curious, like feelings on the starting line and that confidence level, where was it at? Because, you know, this time around, you know, a year later, Grant Fisher's coming in as the American record holder. You saw what he ran uh, a couple months back in March. So, you know, it's sort of like, all right, he might have a spot, but you end up making like the biggest move of the race that, that and, and come out with the win. So how did it play out for you? Yeah, I mean, leading into this race, I've had like waves of high confidence and waves of low confidence, even just this weekend being here in Eugene, like at times I'm like, oh, I'm going to go win this race. And then at times I'm like, man, I don't even know if I'm going to be like in the contention, you know, because you just, I haven't raced a 10K since Tokyo and you, there's just so many unknowns. And then, yeah, on top of that, Grant sets the American record. Woody paces him for 9K of yeah. it or something. Sean goes and runs an amazing 10K. And then on top of that, you have guys like Shadrach and Emmanuel who have put together great seasons. Um, and so you just like, yeah, you, you kind of talk yourself into it and then you talk yourself out of it. But yeah, on the starting line, I was definitely feeling confident. I kind of was like just reflecting on the work I've done. And again, reflecting on that sound running meet and just saying like, look, I'm back. I need to put this thought of an injury behind me and just realize like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm as good as I can be right now. Um, 
But then the race went off, and I was telling Dathan, like, the gun went off, but the gun didn't really go off until maybe, like, 23 minutes into that race. And so we're just, like, jogging, like, tempo pace. And it's just, Clicker like, miles, right? I know. Yeah, it was so <laughs> slow. I mean, like, we do our tempo runs faster than that in Boulder. And when you – if you don't kind of stop and think about that, you know, I'm like, I should not be hurting. This is not hard at all. You, but – you're in a race and you think, oh, this should be hard. I should be hurting. But you got to kind of snap out of it and say, no, this is a jog. Like, yeah. this is not hard. But so it was very nerve wracking. It was 20 minutes of just jostling and um, pushing around and everyone, you know, people going to the front, making moves. I mean, and you're just kind of having to be attentive to everything that's happening and just thinking, how can I put myself in the best position to to kick for this team? I mean, that's what it's all about. So. It was a stressful 20. I would say this one was more stressful than a year ago because a year ago it was a little bit faster. There were less players there at the bell. And I guess you couldn't chase the standard a year ago. So yeah. you're really only racing a few guys for that team. But this year it was like anyone could have gone and gone top three and gone and chased that standard. So it was certainly a lot more stressful in there. Okay, so where did the balls come in to make the move and go to the front? So <laughs> I had no intention of really going to the front but i heard dathan yell i think it was maybe 900 meters to go right after a kilometer to go he was on that curve he said go to the front <laughs> and i didn't even think about it and then all of a sudden i found myself in the front and i was like wow i don't i don't want to push this too hard too early and get you know swallowed up and so then i started getting clipped from behind but i think one thing i've learned in my career is to really just not let that affect me the the physicality of racing and knowing that if i can handle that physicality better than my competitors um, I'll be in a, like a better spot at the end of the race. And so when I was up front, my whole thought was just be on the outside of lane one. So if someone's going to pass me on the curve, they got to go long. Mm -hmm. And then just if anyone pulls up on uh, my side, don't let them get the rail. You know, don't let them get in front of me and get the rail. And so I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I was like, man, like 400 to go. And no one's pulling up 300 to go. I was expecting a stream of guys to <laughs> blow by me because that's kind of how it would go in college for me. I mean, I wasn't able to really close that well. And um, it just never happened. And yeah. then down the home stretch, I was like, OK, like I should just run for home. But I needed to keep that gear because I was just expecting Shadrach or Grant or one of these great um, closers to pull up on me and yeah, once Grant pulled up on me, I just saw that he kind of... Yeah, I think he did good. I think he did real good. <laughs> he, I, I saw he got like maybe, a, like he got just in front of me, um, but he didn't really open it up. And I was like, wow, I think I could outlean him at this point. So I just threw in that little extra surge and I had, you know, I just kept that gear there. But yeah, that's kind of my thoughts going yeah. into that last, you know, once I took the lead. But it's totally like, I just heard Dathan yell, go to the front. And I didn't even think about it. And I was like, wow, I really don't want to be here right now. <laughs> This episode is also presented by Hayward Magic. It's no secret we love track and field at Sidious Mag, and it's the summer of Hayward. We're looking forward to celebrating all things track and field with you this summer. From June 23rd to 26th, we'll be in town for the U.S. Championships where the rest of Team USA will be named. And then from July 15th to July 24th, we'll have Sidious Mag House up and running for the World Championships Oregon 22. We'll be doing daily runs. We're going to be hosting live shows every day. We'll be doing our daily podcast. It's the first time the World Championships are coming to America, so we're going all out and celebrating the best sport in the world. We want you to be there with us, and it's not too late to get your hands on tickets or flights. We've made a landing page on our website with all the dates and ticketing information to make it easy for you, so visit SidiousMag.com slash Summer of Hayward. 
If you're determined to make it there, Hayward Magic on Instagram wants to hear about it. Whether you're a high school athlete, a college runner, or a professional runner, or if you're just a fan who bought tickets, share how you're preparing for the best summer of track and field by using hashtag MakeItAHayward in your caption or post. Hayward Magic will select and feature the best posts for their feed, and who knows, some of the best submissions may be compiled into a reel or story highlight and live on Hayward Magic's page forever. It's the Instagram home for the true track and field fans, the diehards, the dreamers, and the fans. They aim to share the magic of the sport and elevate the athletes that push it forward. So follow at Hayward Magic on Instagram today. Did you? I, I've, I've got a question. Did you have a kind of an A plan going into the race? And at what point in the race did you know that that the race wasn't going to play out how you had thought it was. And what's kind of going through your mind as you're sort of um, debating what you need to do to make the team or win the race. And w when is that happening? And, and is sort of so anxiety. Quick. Yes. Yeah. No, I would say like going into the race, I was kind of half expecting someone to make it honest. I mean, I figured it was a good weather night, like a lot. I think to make this team, you need to be a sub 27 caliber athlete. And so I thought, you know, 27, 28, there should be some people that are going to make it honest enough to hit that. Um, but once I realized we went through in five minutes, I was like, okay, well, I know we're not going to hit the time, but I don't really go into these races with so much of a plan. I think you, you got to be good enough that someone else's race plan doesn't change what you're doing. I kind of thought Bowerman might employ some team tactics right. with having four athletes in the race. But again, I just was like, yeah, sure. You know, say they want to go push the race, fart like the race, they're going to be, you know, uh, if I can just be there longer and longer, then that's going to stress them out, you know, knowing that, wow, he's still hanging around, he's still hanging around. So Dathan just kind of says, you know, you got to be good enough that their race plan doesn't matter. Mind games. It's just like, it's a it crazy really component. Was. It really was mind games for like 25 minutes. So your hands go up to your head uh, as soon as you cross the finish line. I mean, was it just sort of like the shock of like, oh, I can't believe I won that thing. Or I can't believe I outkicked Grant or like, what, what does the finish line feel? Yeah, I mean... Um, it was a bit like, yeah, I've never, I've never beaten Grant in my career. First and national so title. first national title, first time ever beating Grant. I mean, it was just like a lot. I mean, I, Grant's been like a competitor my whole career, someone I've been chasing my whole career and I, someone who's pushed me to new levels. And so to, to, to finally beat him was like really not, I mean, not that that was the goal of the day. The goal was to win the race, but to outkick him felt pretty good. Um, just because he's someone who's, um, been you know been I've raced him so many times in my career and it's always like he just pulls away and he's so good at closing but um yeah like when I crossed the line it was a bit of disbelief I mean the whole race I was very conscious very cognitive of what was happening but the last 100 meters was totally just instincts mm -hmm. you know I wasn't thinking like okay like you know pick it up and let's try and win this it was just like I felt like I was just in cruise control and you got to just trust those instincts yeah so what did you learn from Tokyo I guess that is going to be valuable for this upcoming world championship experience. Yeah, I learned a lot. I mean, Tokyo, I was pretty disappointed in how I raced. I really did not put myself in the race at all. I kind of um, I kind of just expected like, okay, I'm not really these guys caliber, you know, like I'm going to race. I'm going to try and clean some people up when they fall off, which I was able to do a little bit, but um, I didn't give myself a chance. And so that's why I was happy having the Prefontaine Classic after I was like, I'm going to put myself up there and I'm going to compete. You know, and that's this year going in, like, I'm not just going to go to the back. Like, I need I need to believe. I mean, Grant was fifth a year ago because he went up there and competed. And so um, I think that just having that mindset that I, I can race these guys, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing. And that's what I took away from Tokyo was I don't need to be, you know, just write myself off because these guys have 26, 40 PRs. Yeah. 
did last night hurt like afterwards like i mean were 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 you pretty tired or or cuz i mean you said it was slow for a, a good chunk of it that you probably had some left in the tank yeah honestly like it didn't feel like a 10k race like a year ago in tokyo i couldn't even cool down just because of the the cumulative fatigue of running you know the trials and then tokyo 10k last night was actually kind of the maybe a a bit of a blessing that you know we're going to come off this race pretty fresh with the diamond leagues coming up but yeah no it didn't feel like a 10k race it felt like just a workout and then a you know 800 meter race at the end how's uh sort of goal setting work with oac or you and dathan is it going to be sort of like all right let's take the week to kind of just see how the body feels and then you know set goals for world champs or uh have the goals already been set you know way out in advance yeah i think that um we'll definitely our team, it seems like we have these big weekends, like Milrose was a big yeah. weekend. Uh, last year's trials was a big week for our team. And so I think that Dathan really likes to just kind of like soak in these big weeks and like be in the moment. And then we get back to Boulder, you know, have some easy days and kind of like digest it all and figure out, you know, what's the best thing moving forward now. So I think that I'm just gonna enjoy the races today, cheer on my teammates. We'll get back to Boulder and then kind of, uh, talk about you know do you want to try and get into another diamond league do you yeah. want to take another trip to europe do you want to go after this go after that and then you know kind of knowing that worlds is the main thing doing well there is the main thing and everything is secondary we need to put the pieces together to have the best world championship we can so we've seen the videos that were put together last summer of just the OAC teammates watching their own fellow teammates competing at the Olympic trials. So like with USA's coming up with Sage competing, like how nervous do you get for, for her races? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty nerve wracking. I mean, like I said, the bar on this team is, <laughs> the, on high. OAC is making worlds, which is such a high level to be at. And so like, I mean, everyone feels that pressure and certainly Sage in the women's 800, it's so hard to make that team. But now she sees like, you know, Alicia's making teams, I'm making teams, Jordy, Ollie, everyone. So she's got a lot of pressure, but I think that she'll respond well. She's getting into these diamond leagues and getting a lot of great racing experience. But no, it's, it, it is nerve wracking watching, just knowing how much the athlete cares about representing their country yeah. and how much they want to like contribute to the success of this team. And certainly when they fall short, it's just heartbreaking. Like when Leah fell last year, knowing how bad she wanted to contribute to the success of this team and be at the Olympics. Um, and then you, they fall short of that. And it's really, it's just, it's hard because you know how much they care and how much they've put into it. Yeah. Well, Joe, we can't wait to see what you put together at the upcoming World Championships. Maybe we see you back on the track for the 5K, possibly still up in the air. But uh, wishing you all the best of luck in training and then back here in two months. Yeah, thank you. The City of Smack Podcast is a production of the City of Smack Podcast Network. It is produced and edited by Mike Serzolo. Did you enjoy this episode enough to dish out a couple bucks? Support City of Smack by pledging any dollar amount over on patreon.com slash Mag to join our loyal legion of backers who keep this show going strong. If you're on your phone right now, you can also open up the Venmo app and hit us with a one-time donation to at City of Smag. We've also got merch over on CityofSmag.com. Any way you can show your support goes a long way. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. See you next time.